On this, the second episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No's Storyteller Edition, I reach back into a grab bag of something I didn't even know existed at first. Looking through our old cloud drive, I noticed that Rob had posted something and didn't tell us about it. So what I did is I made it tonight's spooky spookiness. gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so that gas did not kill them. Since it was toxic in high concentrations, this was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and five-inch thick porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on but no bedding, running water, and a toilet, and enough dry food for all five to last over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemy of the states during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations, their activities, all were monitored and noted as they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past. And the general tone of their conversation took on a darker aspect. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were. They started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones. In the one-way mirrored portholes, oddly, they all seemed to think that they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning in their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected that this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was unable to produce but the occasional squeak. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cord. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captors reacted to it. Or rather, they didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphone until the second captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering into the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphone hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming with the five people inside, 
The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five were still alive. In fact, it was, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they were not going to do. They would try to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber hoping to provoke any response from the captives. They were afraid they were either dead or vegetables. They announced, we are opening the chamber to test the microphones, step away from the door, and lie flat on the floor, or you will be shot. Compliance will earn you one of your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice. We no longer want to Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces include funding the research. Unable to provoke any more responses using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber door at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately the voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices begging, pleading for the love of God, turned the gas back on. The chamber was opened and the soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder and louder. And so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five test subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state of them life. The food rations past day five had not been touched. There was chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber. It was blocking the drain, allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The discussion, destruction of the flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, as the researchers first thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the rib cage of all four subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. All the blood vessels, organs, remained intact. They had been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subject. The digestive tract of all four could be seen working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that they were what they were digesting was their own flesh they had ripped and eaten over the course of the days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to be screamed and to be left in the chamber alternatively begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on lest they fall asleep. Sleep, sleep. To everyone's surprise, the t test subject put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you can count one that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. 
The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but it disproved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arms of one doctor when the heart was seen to beat for a two full minutes after he had bled out to the point there was no air in his vascular system than blood. Eventually it stopped. He continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and repeating the words, more, over, and over, weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent. This left three test subjects. They were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare for the surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints. When the anesthesiologist's gas was brought out and put on him, he managed to tear through one of the four-inch wide leather straps on his wrist. Even though the weight of the 200-pound soldier holding the wrist as well, it took little more anesthesia than normal to put him under. The instant his eyelids closed, his heart stopped. When the autopsy of the test subject had died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal amounts of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to a skeleton were badly torn. He had broken nine bones in the struggle. Most of them were for the force of his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed. He was unable to beg or object to surgery and only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthesiologist brought gas to him. He shook his head, yes, when someone suggested reluctantly they try to surgery without anesthesia, and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing the abdominal organs and attempting to recover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated rapidly that it should be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something drastically important, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting, 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 cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well, although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it almost impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the intending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried to ask why they injured themselves. Why did they rip their own guts out, and why did they want the gas again? Only one response. We must remain awake. All three test subjects were restrained were reinforced. 
and they were placed back into the chamber awaiting determination as what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of the military benefactors for having failed the stated goals and the projected considering euthanizing the su surviving subjects. The commanding officer in XKGB instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they put the gas back on. The researchers strongly objected, but they were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the, the test subjects were connected to e EEG monitors and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, they all stopped struggling the moment it was let it slip that the gas was going to be put back on. It was obvious that at that point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stray awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First left, then right, then left, for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired to the EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brainwaves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but some, sometimes flatline inexplicably. It looks as if he were repeatedly suffering brain damage before returning to normal. As they focused on the paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time. His heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwave showed some flat lines as one who had just died falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between his eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed the gun at the remaining subject still restrained in the bed as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you, demanded. I must know. The final alive subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? We are you. We are the madness that lurks within all of you, begging to be free at any moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate in the silence and paralyze when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So, so, nearly, 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 near